Okay, everybody, welcome to episode four of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by Walter Smith. How are you doing, Walter? How's things going? Absolutely living the dream. <laughs> as you know, uh, I'm a teacher and uh, this time of year is always fantastic. No matter what the weather, no matter what's going on, it's always great. You've got your own time, six weeks off. Anyone who's jealous of that, train and become a teacher. What do you think of the new away kit? I'd like to say I haven't bought it, but I have. Yeah, I got it off uh, Delboy. So I know a man who knows a man. I thought to myself, I, I, I wasn't gonna, I'm not a big fan of the night kits. And I've got the original Bumblebee kit, and it still fits me, so I'm quite happy with that. And uh, I thought to myself, right, I'll, uh, I wasn't going to buy it. I wasn't going to buy it. And someone says, well, it's this price. I went, it's bought. So <laughs> It's a beautiful day, looking a shirt, but the only thing is, it's th- those yellow socks, I think, that get me. And I, I realize. Oh, no, I like them. Oh, you do? It's like high vis socks, isn't it? Like, uh, like if you were on a motor bike no one would run well, you I, down well i used to, to be fair i bought the 99 sock from the old uh, shop that most people remember at main road and i bought the the 99 sock so i used to wear them cycling so yeah. <laughs> and i used to wear the uh, i got the number five on the back because Mor- andy morrison was my favorite player what i like about it is it's slightly different from just the generic crap that nike put out for once and this could be the only time nike do this they've listened to what the fans have said and gone well hang on a minute if we give the fans exactly what they want the shirt might sell well yes it bloody will mate if you give people what they want and you listen to the customer fan base i can't wait to get rid of them so uh i mean they've done it well in terms of it's not uh, an over-the-top copy of the night it's, it's like a a nudge to the 99, if you know what I mean. Right. And we had a uh, esteemed company modeling it on one of his videos. And He's uh, a handsome chap. He looked well in it anyway. A handsome chap. He looked good, good in it. Yeah, okay. So that's the away kit. The next question I have for you is, of course, we've had two matches on what they call the International Champions Cup. And I just read a little snippet here, Walter, that you may or may not have been aware of. According to the Spanish uh, newspaper El Mundo, the players in the ICC competition are earning 15 million euros. That is 13.4 million pounds for their participation in that little thing. And of course, we had two games. The first one was a 0-1 loss to Dortmund and then the 1-2 loss to Liverpool. You would have had to have been insane if you were able to stay up and watch any of that. I mean, I did because I've got no life, as we all know. But were you were, 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 were you able to catch any of, of the highlights of those games? Yeah, I've seen the highlights. Uh, again, I've got a young family, so the chance of me being up at 1 in the morning are zero. I'd just be walking around like uh, an extra from the walking dead of a, the next they ever managed to stay up so I have no chance of that uh, telling a five year old that daddy's tired at six in the morning it doesn't quite work that way I watched the highlights um, anything stand out to you exactly uh, how quick Sane is wasn't it absolutely beautiful Walter to watch Sane absolutely leave Virgil van Dijk in his dust it was beautiful wasn't it the best thing that happened to Sane for City is not getting selected for Germany. That guy's going to be pissed off. He's got a point to prove now. He's got the streamlined you know, hairstyle now as well, doesn't he? Oh, uh, that makes him go even quicker, I think. But it, it wasn't so much that. It was just the build-up for the goal. You've seen them knocking it around the back, and it was the young lad from Paris Saint-Germain again Gomez as well. Gomez to yeah. uh, Bernardo Silva so, through to Zane, right? Yeah, and it, it was it was. You've seen the potential at Silva has got in the middle yeah you did because really. you, what you've got is you've got a player that can go left and can go right now when he's played on the wing it's a lot harder to do that because you beat one man 
You've got the centre-half to come up against. You've got more scope for his vision in the middle. And that ball, to just see Sane, most players in the world, if he had knocked it up there, Virgil van Dijk would have gobbled that up. But not a ch- he, he knows Sane's unique sort of ability just to leave anybody. But just the fact that he left Virgil van Dijk did give me a smug kind of... And Liverpool, yes. Liverpool fans were coming out with all of this guff on Twitter this week saying that if you beat Naby Keita, then you've got to get past Fabinho. And if you get past Fabinho, Binho, then you've got to get past Virgil van Dijk, and if you get past VVD, then you've got to get past Alisson. Leroy made pretty short work of that, didn't he? It, as good as the run was, the ball as well, it was just beautiful pet perfection in a City blue shirt. They <laughs> were wearing the blue. But you know what I mean? It's um, It was just beautiful to watch that build-up and the way that they shift the team around. And if you look at the amount of players that were missing as well, we had more players at the World Cup than anybody else. And progressively made it to the later stages as well. So you're looking at a team that's been cobbled together, I suppose is the best way. You know, with a lot of youngsters in there, a lot of people who are aspiring to to work their way up or even put themselves in a here I am pet, please notice me. Great to see. And I've seen Salah come on and then I've seen him score his offside goal and I thought the result's not overly important. In a, it's always nice to win, don't get me wrong, but the result isn't important. We lost last year at this stage to Man United. So what? You know, it, the big, bigger scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. It's good for about an hour on Twitter. After that, everyone kind of goes, right, well, the, the business starts soon. It was a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? Because on the Liverpool team, they had Fabinho, they had Virgil van Dijk, they had Milner, they had Wijnaldum, they brought on Mane. They had a large proportion of their team, their players that have a that stand a good chance of getting into their first team against basically the City EDS plus Mares. Of course, you had the typical triumphalism. I, I put this up on Facebook today and a lot of guys were laughing at it. One of the, the worst things you can ever read is write-ups by the Anfield rap because there you get guys that they go poetic about it and they were talking about the return of the Egyptian king. The Egyptian king got backheeled by Joe Hart. Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. I mean, that it gave me a giggle at the time. According to the Anfield rap, then, is it going to be their year this year? Oh, yeah. Every year. Every year. It's the old Scouse boom boom cycle, isn't it? You know, it's... Well, I mean, it, it, was, it gave me a giggle, if you know what I mean. But for me, as good as Joe has been, watching him in net, I understand Pep's decision is just validated with each passing game and each passing month and each passing year. His decision to show Joe Hart the door is becoming only the most staunch Hart fans now would be. I mean, thanks very much, Joe. You've been fantastic, but go out, please go out gracefully now. Now, listen, there, there was a particular person called Bolt from the Blue on Twitter who, who said something quite outrageous and said that if only Joe Hart could show a little bit of humility and could... Uh, train a little bit on his left side and with his kicking, a lot of City fans might take him as the number two over Bravo. You wouldn't concur with that? Over Bravo? <sighs> right. What you're looking at here is you've just asked for three things that are never going to happen. It's like going into a nightclub and telling the girl, you know, if she was a bit thinner and a bit taller... And she applied her makeup properly. Oh my gosh, you this is say... your Holloway moment. This is your... <laughs> Well, you know what I'm saying. I'm only just jesting, of course. But I mean, it's 
if, you know, it's the old classic, you know, if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. Well, listen, before we move on, I'm just going to catch you right on that point. You just mentioned that old, that old adage, you know, if your auntie had balls, she'd be your uncle. Did you hear the nonsense from Klopp when he said that according to his little mathematics brain, the statisticians told him that there were seven games last season when Liverpool had been winning, but they ended up drawing and so they lost 14 points and if you deduct the 14 points from the 25 that we were ahead of them then it's not really a 25 point gap Walter it's really an 11 point gap did you see that because that had most of us in hysterics to think that this guy was actually serious with that I mean the first thing that springs to my mind is Danny Dyer when he was explaining Brexit he just (laughs) said it's a riddle within a riddle he goes nobody understands that Brexit nobody and it's certain that way with Klopp you know what I mean maybe we should get him in the Brexit negotiations he'd just confuse everybody and we might get something (laughs) but uh, as far as uh, Klopp goes there's a an interesting thing where Pep says, he goes, I will defend you to the death in the press conferences. Here is the place for the truth. And that's exactly what Klopp is doing. He's defending his team to the death, no matter how much shite he talks. And hopefully, <laughs> but I, I, I can imagine him saying this in the dressing room as well. That's the thing with Klopp. He's, I did notice he was speaking, and to be honest... And hand on heart, I couldn't actually tell what he was saying because I was so transfixed with his just white pearly teeth. They are the whitest teeth on planet Earth. Whiter than for for me news. They uh, they uh, I quite, honestly wait. Those guys must speaks, go to the same dentist. They probably just get the tipex out. Honestly, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. I don't know who they're trying to fool. <laughs> it's from the Bre- Brendan Rogers School of Dentistry, isn't it? I honestly was contemplating, I'm sat there in the living room and it was getting dark. I thought, do I put shades on or not? You know what I mean? These these things were just beaming. I, I, I don't know. And enough talk about Klopp. I just, he's a good manager, don't get me wrong. And he's done a fantastic job at Liverpool. And they're my favourites to become second this year. But, and he's perfect for them because he speaks shite that they'll just buy into by the bucket load, which seems to be a prerequisite for their fan base, and uh, they're just a match made in heaven, but God, just looking at him. This is why we love you, Walter, you've got so little patience for talking about Liverpool in any shape or form, don't you? (laughs) Well, I I just think, yes, I do. (laughs) Okay, well, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Um, from both the games, both the games, uh, Dortmund and Liverpool, everyone is talking about a guy called Eric Garcia. And this is a guy that uh, we apparently snatched from La Masia or La Masia. Not quite sure how that pronunciation works, but basically Barcelona's um, Golden Gate training ground. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this guy, this guy looked look like a player. Did Did you see him? Yeah, he's um, he's cool, calm, and collected, isn't he? And he, he's got a good sort of um, when to go in, when to not, when to press, when to sort of drop off, and his sort of three sixty kind of vision of what's going on around him seems to be absolutely second to none. He's uh, he's a young, promising talent, is what he looks like. Where he's going to fit in, because centre half is the one place where we do have quality in depth 
So whether he needs to go on loan or whether he's not up for that and he wants to fight for a place, or again, that's all going to be down to Pep. I mean, if we've let some of the players we've let go, I mean, today was playing. You know, it's um, you forget about these sort of um, players. You know, and he's done a decent job wherever he's gone, but he doesn't seem to be able to do it at Manchester City. He doesn't seem the right quality. We're talking about a young lad who will hopefully get better and better and better and not just hit that ceiling that some do, you know, when they're youngsters. But if he's highly rated by Barcelona and he's highly rated by Pep, let's nurture him and let's not put the pressure of him being the next golden boy. Let him learn by making mistakes. That's how you do learn. So whether that's making mistakes on loan or mistakes in the EDS, who knows? Pep knows. There was another fella that kind of uh, stood out, uh, Walter, I think you'll appreciate. A guy called Luke Bolton, and according to Stephen at Esteemed Company, this is a guy who's normally an, a classic winger, and he was asked to play in the wing-back position. And he looked, as far as I could see, pretty solid. And then when he did burst forward, he roasted um, the opposition on two uh, in two different games. Well, what did you think of Luke Bolton? He looks, he looks a talent, doesn't he? I mean, apparently, he's, he's what he's got is he's a real sort of hustle bustle. He started up front a bit like Tevez. That's what he was sort of being compared to, and then he was sort of shifted out to the right wing. And then as he's got older, <laughs> not that he's old, they've sort of shifted him back down to this sort of uh, right back. I've got a sneaky suspicion he could start in the Community Shield. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got Kyle Walker and Danilo. So that, that's your main sort of two right-backs. And Danilo, I don't know how long the injury's going to last. Kyle Walker would have just landed back in the country. Bang. Bolton, grab your chance, you know? Well, I think when we look at the list of players that participated in both those games, the other ones that I would want to ask you about, of course, Brahim Diaz, Phil Foden. A lot of guys were pretty underwhelmed by their performance in both those games. How did you see it? Again, it's it, you're talking about a pre-season friendly. We talk about getting sharpness back. That's what it is. It's about getting, and these are two young, young lads. I think people seem to forget how young Foden is. Foden's only just left school. Just even by his physique, he's not a man yet. And you wouldn't want to be, I don't know. I mean, people who go on Twitter and start dogging Diaz or Foden off need to have a word with themselves. You know, they're taking things far too seriously. You know, this is a, a pre-season friendly where they get City are getting paid a lot of money to go out to these places instead of just sort of playing around the local Manchester area and putting all the coffers into Bury or Rochdale. I know Bury had Everton and Liverpool going there beforehand. So you're talking about these players have gone out there. It's a camp to sort of freshen things up. Pep to get his ideas, and we all know. Pep's ideas and his hierarchical thinking, it doesn't come straight away. He's working on the training ground, going through. You can imagine in there where he's stopping every two minutes saying, look, you're in the wrong position, you need to be here. I'm not happy with this. And it's getting that drilled in. And to get that drilled in on a pre-season friendly, nonsense. You don't, they're there to sort of, it's almost like a little starter before your main meal, isn't it? You're not taking it too seriously yet. Okay, let me ask your opinions about a few other uh, names. 
Uh, one very heralded name is Lucas Nemeche. They're always talking about his wonderful physicality and the fact that he's a big, strong lad. I've seen him a number of times. He always seems to give that kind of perf uh, holding the ball up performance. Do you have any particular uh, views on Lucas Nemeche? He seems, for me, he's a good footballer. And in some respects, he might be at the wrong club. And the reason I say that is he doesn't strike me as a Manchester City player. In the same way, Ian Acho, you know, uh, he reminded me a little bit of Ian Wright, Ian Acho. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was fast, he was quick with an eye for goal, and he could do that long, you know, he could score from outside the box. And if you look at the amount of City players who score from outside the box, it's minimal. So they don't fit where we're going as a football club and the philosophy we're trying to sort of stamped down. I mean, if you look at, in all respects, the team that we're closest to in terms of styles of play is Barcelona. And they've never really gone for a big man up top unless it was uh, Ibrahimovic, and they soon got rid of him. Well, uh, a lot of people have been talking about that. They've been saying, do City actually lack a large target man? And they're, they're, uh, I was reading on Twitter with a lot of interest that people were saying, my goodness, why don't we just get Jekko back again and stick him on the bench and bring him on as a substitute? <laughs> I'm not, I, I think that would be sort of uh, taking us back two or three years. What do you think of our new player, Riyad Mahrez? Because he got two runouts and uh, we got a little bit of a, a look at him. Of course, he didn't showcase in any way his incredible talents. But nonetheless, did you have any sort of impression of Riyad Mahrez during those two games? I think he's special. I think he's... Um, he heard me just going on for the last few minutes about not being at the right club. This is a lad who's just purpose-built for our club. And he could elevate... I mean, Pep improves players. And if you, improve, if you look at also the players that are playing around Mahrez compared to the players that were there at Leicester, good God. This is a guy who's, again, his ceiling is incredibly, incredibly I, high. I got a good look at him. He's really, really thin as a whippet, isn't he? And he's really, really very, very fast. And he's two-footed and he's got tricks in his bag. This is a guy that's uh, very, very different to the options that we have up front, isn't he? Well, he's that, but he's also got incredible sort of awareness of uh, other players around him. So he's not got his head down with his tricks. You can see the ball comes to him and his body shapes the right way straight away. And he's, he, he, he takes the ball. And as he's running at the, at the fullback or at the defender, he hasn't got his head down looking at the ball, looking at the defender, how can I get past him? He knows where the ball is. He knows where the defender is. He's looking up to see, right, well, who's moving when I get past this player? Who can I give the ball to? I think he could have a special season. I think he's going to cement himself into that first team. Do you think that he, that Pep brought in Mares because of those numbers of missed chances by Raheem Sterling? As great as a season that he did have last season, I think he scored about 20 goals, he also did miss a hatful of a pretty a straightforward chances. Do you think that Pep looked at that and thought to himself, I need someone who is going to be a little bit more deadly in those one-on-one uh, -on -one situations? 
no, I, I think you've been a bit harsh down, Raheem. I think Pep looks at improving the team. And what you're looking at is a player who can play across the front line almost. It doesn't matter to him where he plays. He's not come in to debunk Sterling. I mean, that may well be the case further on down the line, but that's not why he's been brought in. I think he's just been brought in to just completely lift that front line. And that front line, how many goals? We've got a record number of goals. So that front line, you could argue, didn't need improving. But like anything in football, if you stand still, you go backwards. So we brought him in to, to lift that again. And somebody somewhere down the line is going to get a double-digit spanking this season. That's my prediction. Well, let me ask you about another person that a lot of people are talking about. This is a young fella called Claudio Gomez. He's 18 years old. We basically stole him from Paris Saint-Germain. He is a very, very small, looks like N'Golo Kante. And uh, Pep said of him, and I quote, he has been so good, so good. And according to the newspapers, and again, I'm quoting here from the Paris papers, he was the best prospect in PSG's talent-filled academy. For Paris Saint-Germain, it is one of the biggest blows to their youth system, their youth system since losing Kingsley Coman to Juventus four years ago. And apparently, uh, Mikel Arteta had played a key role in convincing uh, Claudio Gomez to join City. We got a little bit of a look at him, and uh, a lot of people are thinking that he may be the answer for the relief to Fernandinho when Fernandinho needs a rest. Did you have a particular impression of Claudio Gomez when you saw him, especially in the second game against Liverpool? I mean, he looked good, didn't he? Um, I w- my argument would be, this is a kid who's left Paris Saint-Germain because he didn't feel there was a pathway to the first team. We've not got the best record for pathways to the first team. So he's our he's our Jaden Sancho, isn't he? He's well, like... in many respects, yeah, yeah, he is. You know, he's um, Jaden Sancho left us for that exact reason. And I look at this, you know, I looked at the Gomez, and I look at if Pep's impressed with him, if Paris Saint Germain are so gutted to be losing him, if he's training with that first team, I know Pep said he needs minutes now. Whether that's minutes on with us or minutes with somebody else. I'm not 100% sure, um, and I don't, to be honest with you, I think the only person that is sure is Pep. I'd like to see him being given a bit of time, especially if we don't bring in a, you know, a, a Jorginho-type player, I think. You know, you, you're going to have to play somebody in that position, and it'd be nice to see, the, you know, Gomez given a go, not necessarily against, you know, uh, whoever in the quarter or semi-finals of the Champions League, but certainly, when you're playing the teams lower down the league, let's see what this guy's made of. You know, he's you don't have to be as physical as uh, you used to be in the in you know in the Premier League. It's not all the the, the rough and tumble. Not in that position, especially because if you look at Fernandinho, there's nothing of him. But what you do have to be is incredibly intelligent. And I'd leave that up to Pep to decide whether he thinks this lad has got that discipline to play that role. But Everybody at Paris is gutted, which can only be good news for Manchester City. Right. Well, uh, let's uh, move through a few other uh, transfer rumours. Now, according to Pep, and we're using Pep's uh, words here, when he was asked about whether there would be new signings before the end of the season, 
He simply said, we will decide until the last day. Um, obviously, there was the loss of uh, Jorginho. One of the things that's quite confusing to a lot of City fans is that despite the fact that City and Pep have denied that they have any interest in Pjanic, there's this continual refusal to accept that, uh, particularly by an Ita uh, Italian journalist called Fabrizio Rom uh, Romano. He's a guy from... Uh, Sky Italia, and he also works for The Guardian. He reports for Calcio Mercato. Despite what City are saying, he is making the argument that because of City's recent humiliations in the transfer window, City are going to make an offer for Pjanic in excess of 65 million euros. And so we heard... Sam Lee on the uh, the ninety three twenty podcast, who was basically saying that he's prepared to take that at face value, but a lot of other people are saying, well, no, actually, City are basically they're being quite cute, quite smart now to just deny everything, and uh, maybe this can happen. And and Sam Lee said, no, 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 the, there's no way that the team would uh, would um would fool or trick the journalists like that because if they did that they wouldn't have a reputation to go forward with is there any extent to which you believe that city are keeping their cards uh close to their chest denying everything but actually in the shadows going after someone like Pjanic or Kovacic to to be their their second signing this summer I think City will do what's best for City and if it means bringing in panic, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, City don't have an obligation to tell journalists anything. And if you listen to Pep Guardiola talk about cryptic, he's got given you a yes, he's not given him a no. So Sam Lee, I do respect him, I do listen to him, and he's got an inside track that's, you know, incredible. he's got a good record, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is, City will do what's best for City. And if they feel they got the fingers burnt by sort of releasing about Jorginho, and they talked about Mares way, way before him, and Sanchez way, way before him, they haven't seemed to have been keeping the cards close to the chest. So it might just be a case of a, like a Bernardo Silva. Someone just rocks up and we don't know anything about it. And in some ways, I hope that that just happens. We all wake up one morning and this sort of player's got a big cheesy grin with a City scarf over his head. And we're all thinking, bloody hell. I didn't see that one coming. And that, for me, would be, well, that would just be... I haven't got us stuck into, you know, because it, it can wreck your head about the whole idea of who we're going to buy and who and who snubbed who. It's, it's about, we'll see where we are at the end of the transfer window. Let me ask your opinion on something else. Something that might make you laugh, but nonetheless, it's been in the news. It's about Eliakim Mangala. He is regarded as the forty-two million pounds flop, and uh, City are being reported to be considering offering him a contract extension. As you know, he's twenty-seven years old now. He joined from Porto, club record deal back in twenty fourteen. He's been shipped out on loan to Valencia and Everton, and uh, the rumor is that City could add a few years to Mangala's deal. To avoid losing him on a free transfer, they're determined, Walter, they're determined to get something back on this deal. They almost sold him to Crystal Palace on deadline day last summer. 
Uh, if you remember, there was a twenty-three million pounds deal on the table, and it collapsed because Palace eventually went for Mamadou Sakho, who was the former Liverpool man. The saga with Mangala goes on. It's as if that City spent this record amount on him, and they just will not let this go without an element of pride, a little bit of dignity. What do you think about giving Mangala a couple of extra years in order to get a bigger fee for him? Or do you think we can get a bigger fee for him? I'd let him go. I mean, uh, ultimately, if I, I know, if I was Mangala, what I would do is I'd refuse the contract, I'd sign on somewhere, get on a, get a big wedge for it, and just leave with a bit of dignity. Uh, and the reason for that would be he ain't going to be getting in the just we talked about Eric Garcia there about how hard it would be for him to get in so Mangala oh, you know he, he's not a pet player either he's not a guy who's comfortable at the back with the ball he'd go somewhere and do a half decent job and you know I, I hope he rediscovers the form that made us sort of lump 42 million pound out for him and do it somewhere else as long as it's not in the Premier League and He's got his certain qualities to him, but you know he you had that at, he had that one wonderful game against Chelsea, the very first. No, game. he's done it. He did that. If you give him, you know, he did it to Paris Saint Germain. Just Ibrahimovic just stuck Mangala on him, and no matter where, he, I'm sure after Ibrahimovic got in the shower after the game, he thought, look, turn round, there's Mangala with a big cheesy grin behind him. He just stuck by him the whole time, and. That's the kind of job he can do, which doesn't require a great deal of thought. You know, you get that's the player there, Diego Costa. Stop, stop him, and that's what he brings to the table. He's not a Laporte. He's not a John Stones. You know, he's not a Vincent Company. He's not got that a sort of spatial awareness around him and the bigger picture going on. He's uh, sort of very much a one-dimensional player, but he does the one dimension very well, and that's why City paid the money for him. So, if I was Mangala, I wouldn't sign a new contract. I'd get a signing on fee. I'd put out a big release statement saying thanks to City. I had a great time and just be a good guy all round. Well, here's the next thing for you, Walter. Great news for us. Uh, in our fourth episode, we have our very first question. From a listener, and unfortunately, oh. I'm, I'm going to beg forgiveness to uh, the person who sent this in, because I his name is a little bit too hard to pronounce, but nonetheless, his question is, Walter, and this is addressed to you, do you think that Fabian Delph can be the holding midfielder that City are looking for to relieve pressure on Fernandinho? Fabian Delph as a holding midfielder? It's a job that he could do, isn't it? It's, um, but again, I talk about where City want to be. And City want to be, you know, the top of the tree. And God bless Fabian Delph. He's just a good guy all round with his Yorkshire brews. But he's certainly not that holding midfielder. Technically speaking, is he good enough? I'd have to question. You know, because you're talking about somebody who gets the ball in them tight areas. And he's going to get pressed hard. What is his natural to... position, Walter? An attacking midfielder? He is a mid... No, he's a... From what I remember of Fabian Delph in his earlier career, he was very much... Um, if you played a 4-4-2, he was one, one of the two midfielders who played in the middle. 
And football's progressed so much since then. But, you know, especially you look at Sari coming to Chelsea, we're talking about and Liverpool, etc. The teams at the top, they press very hard. So you're looking at players, whether that's your goalkeeper, Edison, or whether that's Fernandinho, players that are comfortable getting pressed, have someone near them and will still call for the ball, be able to turn and lay the ball off. You know, it's almost you don't get tackled, you know, the speed of which of which it happens. So thank you very much for the question. Um, he could do a job there, but again, it wouldn't be an ideal situation at all. So, Walter, um, we have these player awards coming up that I wanted to ask you about. We have the best FIFA men's player 2018 award and the FIFA Coach of the Year Award. And and what I'm going to do is, first of all, I'm going to read out to you the list of the nominees for the Best FIFA Men's Player 2018 Award, of which we have won interest. So here's the list. We have Cristiano Ronaldo, our own Kevin De Bruyne, Antoine Griezmann, Eden Hazard, Harry Kane, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi, Luka Modric, Mohamed Salah, and finally, Raphael Varane. Do you think that Kevin De Bruyne, our own Kevin De Bruyne, has got any mission of winning that award? No. The reasons I'd say that is, I mean, my favourite player on that list has got to be Messi. But uh, this year, I wouldn't even give it Messi. Uh, to be honest, I'd go left field and give it Modric. Uh, this is a guy who was instrumental in Real Madrid winning the Champions League. This is a guy who dragged his team to the final World Cup final. And he's such a good player as well. He's similar to De Bruyne. He's, I know it's a team game, but when you look at what the teams have won or where they've got to, and as good as Manchester City were and as bad as Real Madrid were in the league, they're chosen on the bigger stages, aren't they, of the Champions League? And for me, Modric would get it. It'd be nice to break up the duopoly of uh, Ronaldo and Messi as well. Okay, here comes the second one. And I have an awful fear that your answer is going to be very similar. But here we go for FIFA's Coach of the Year Award. There's one guy here that I don't, I don't even know who he is, but you're going to, uh, I'm sure you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll be able to tell me. Here we go. So here's the list now. There's a, it's a slightly smaller list. We've got Zinedine Zidane. Ernesto Valverde, Gareth Southgate, my goodness, <laughs> Diego Simeone, Roberto Martinez, Jurgen Klopp, 25 points behind us, Pep Guardiola, who I've got, you know, underlined with my red pen, Didier Deschamps, Zlato Dalic, he was the Croatia manager, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Massimiliano Allegri, who we all know, and then this other chap, his name is Stanislav Cherchesov. Is he the Russian manager? Uh, he must be the Russian manager. So, of that list, does Pep, with his 100 points and his 100 goals, have any chance of beating off uh, people like uh, Deschamps and, um, and Valverde and Zidane and these others? What do you think? Well, I look at that list and I, I think to myself, who would I like most in charge of Manchester City? Um, we've got our man, Pep Guardiola. I wouldn't swap him for anybody on that list. Do I think he's going to win it? No. I think it's going to go to Zidane. For the simple not, reason not being... Not Deschamps. Not Deschamps. Although France won, I think it was... 
it wasn't he uh, I don't see any inspiration from Deschamps at all I think uh, you're looking at a set of players that were the best squad by a country mile mm-hmm. um, you know the depth of that squad uh, so I look at the French squad and I think if Pep Guardiola was in charge of that French squad would he have won the World Cup I do believe so so I, I, my my personal favourite on that list, and I wouldn't swap him for the world, is Pep Guardiola. Do I think who's going to win it? I think it's going to be Zidane. And the reasons are, he's, it's the third time in four years that now that Real Madrid have uh, have won that, and he's bowed out. I'd love it if he never got another job at all again. He just went, nah, I've done it, mate, done it. You know, no matter what the tempting offers were, no, nah, I've done it. Sorry, I've had enough now. He'd just go out as the most successful manager ever. Walter, do you think that Zidane could do the same things at a different team? I'm not overly sure. Um, we're talking about someone who's got a fantastic budget. But I don't know. For me, you look at the Champions League and you look at how often teams win it. Nobody had done back-to-backs before Zidane had arrived at Real Madrid. I just think it was an inspired choice by Real Madrid. And I think he's got Real Madrid blood you know, pumping through his veins. And I just think... They were a match made in heaven at that one particular time. I, I think he could be successful at another team, but that successful? Probably good for the French national team rather than the club team, maybe. Well, if I was French and somebody said, you've got Deschamps or you've got Zidane, who do you want leading you into the next World Cup? Well, there's only one answer for me, and it's not Deschamps. Well, Walter, here's my next question for you. We've all seen these documentaries, these fly-on-the-wall documentaries, and um, just for the uh, the benefit of uh, City listeners, if you go on to YouTube, as I have done, you can actually see a fly-on-the-wall documentary from the last days of Malcolm Allison uh, when he was uh, when he lost his job job to John Bond, and that was an absolutely fabulous thing for for City fans or especially young fans to watch, and I would really encourage anyone to get on there and watch that but uh, just to uh, come more up to date we all remember Walter the similar kind of thing that was done by Liverpool called Being Liverpool where you had a fly on the wall documentary and it was very very embarrassing because it did not show up the manager in a very good light you can remember that he got into a spat with Raheem Sterling. Apparently, Sterling was going steady, steady uh, when the manager was giving out his um, his instructions. And, of course, it, it basically made the manager look like a, a bit of an idiot. And I always feel that in these kinds of documentaries, the central players never come out of it very well. But let me read you the write-up about what's coming up on August the 17th. The title of this thing is called All or Nothing, Manchester City, a behind-the-scenes Amazon Prime original docuseries which will be narrated by none other than Sir Ben Kingsley and will take viewers on an exclusive journey through the whole of Manchester City's 2017-2018 season from the world-leading training facilities at the City Football Academy to interviews with the manager, boardroom meetings and week-on-week stories that unfold within the lives of the players. All eight episodes of the prime original docu-series will be released for 
fans to enjoy. And just so that you know, uh, customers who are not already Prime, Amazon Prime members can sign up for a free 30-day trial. And you don't have to worry about the 30 days because the eight episodes are all going to be released at the same time. So we're going to be able to watch this thing one after the other. But here's the thing, Walter. Is it ever a good idea for a team to do one of these things? Yeah, it is a good idea. I mean, if you look at some of the other Amazon Prime documentaries, these boys... Uh, they know what they're doing. They know the I feel mean, of the thing. Brendan Rogers made an ass of himself in the last one, well, didn't he? Brendan Rogers is an ass. You know what I mean? So he just sort of highlighted the fact uh, of what he is. Uh, give you a bit of insight. I know that the the guys at Amazon were incredibly giddy and were, were unbelievably impressed about the the scale and the scope of what they were getting at Manchester City. They interviewed some of the fans, and I was one of the fans that they interviewed. They came to me work and. Um, he interviewed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he interviewed me for about half an hour. Um, I'd have done the Ben Kingsley. I'd have done it half the price that Ben Kingsley did it for the uh, narration. You, you would have done it much better, I'm sure. <laughs> I got it uh, more biased. But um, I just think... Um, Walter, are I you saying do... that they are not going to make us look stupid in any way? Well, I think it's... I don't think so. I think it's going to come out incredibly well. I think it's going to come across as... You're looking at Brendan Rodgers. He's an arse and he got shown for that. Pep Guardiola, let's go. say he's a slightly odd bloke, but he's not an arse. And if you look at what Brendan Rodgers has won in his career up to that point, and you look at what Pep's done in his career, I'm sorry, you know, it's uh, you, you're talking about two completely different men. Do you remember when um, Bre- Brendan did that thing where he put one name yeah. in an envelope, and apparently oh, yeah. that was that was an old trick of Sir Alex Ferguson's, and he said this guy is going to let us down this season. And then the idea was that everyone was desperate not to be the guy in the envelope. Do you remember that kind of thing? Well, again, you know, you know if you look at Alex Ferguson and then you look at Brendan Rodgers, Brendan, you're looking at Alex Ferguson as a serial winner, and you know whatever your thoughts about him as a person or the way he managed, you'd be hard pushed to find a United fan that didn't absolutely love the guy. Great to see him uh, looking so well after his illness, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, um, you know, he just, I, I wanted to, to be alive as long as possible so he can just watch uh, his noisy neighbours <laughs> just absolutely just destroy all his... Uh, uh, not in my lifetime, there, Walter. Not in my lifetime. Well, it's going to be, uh, you know... Obviously, I wouldn't wish any harm on the bloke. That's that's just goes without saying. But uh, yeah, what, let him stay and watch City just get better and better and better. But the going back to the Amazon documentary, I mean, these guys were it was incredibly well funded. It was these guys were sincere about what they were trying to do and the the way they were trying to put things across. It was just I remember going into one interview though, and he, I had to just say, oh, I got fed up of asking questions. He kept on and on about United, and I was like. I don't care. You know, I really don't care. And I don't think that was kind of the answers that they were, they were looking for. Uh, I, I care about City. I don't care about them. You were know, you being it's the way they're going. Walter, you were being difficult for them. Uh, well, uh, I wasn't being difficult. I was just sort of saying just how I feel. You know what I mean? It was just one of them. I think this, I mean, I watched the trailer and from beginning to end, goosebumps. I just thought, these. this is absolutely incredible. And it's hard to come across badly 
Anybody, anybody says, oh, you know, you made an arse yourself. You just go, 100 points. Well, you didn't do this well, 100 points. Well, you got knocked out of the FA Cup by Wigan, 100 points. You know, record breakers, Centurions. So it's going to be, for anyone to slice and dice and edit this thing and make us look like arses, it's going to have to be like a Raheem Sterling Daily Mail interview. You know what I mean? It's going to have to just be twisted and contorted in every single way possible. I think it's great for City fans. I think City fans are going to be all over it. Yes, some journalists will point out some nuance that was said in chapter six, you know, at 43 minutes and 56 seconds, this was said and it doesn't reflect well on City. Well, smoke it, 100 points. That's what I say to them. I think it's going to be a great thing for all City fans to go and watch and just enjoy, you know, enjoy a detailed and great cataloguing of what was an incredible season. You know, in a hundred years' time, people will be able to look back and oh, down. Oh, what do you fancy doing tonight, love? Well, I'm going to stream the uh, 2018 um, City. You know, we, we, we're OAPs. We'll be able to think. Do you remember? That? Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch that again. I think it's because of the way the season turned out. I just think it's great. Did you see the little preview where you got to see Pep going, guys? If you hate me, it's okay to hate me. Yeah, you know, if, if you perform better, if you want to hate me, hate me. I just the whole thing. I know uh, a Sting company did a fantastic breakdown of the whole video where he was watching he did, it and he did, commenting yeah. on it. And I just thought, that was a really good idea, Steve. I wish I'd thought of that. And um, I just thought, he broke down, he, just watching the video, just absolute goosebumps. Because you know the way it ends. And it could almost end like Rocky, you know, where he they give him a big hug. And right at the end, that could be Gabby Jesus right at the end, just getting hugged and it. Gives it the music and just stops freeze frames. Tell me this: um, do, you, do you think that that when you saw the preview and you saw the the door slamming and you saw players sort of like stomping their feet a little bit, was that maybe a little bit for the camera? No, I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, it's like I suppose it was something like Big Brother or the Love Island. I think after a while, you just forget the cameras are there. This is for a whole year. So suddenly turn around and go, "I'm going to slam this door for the camera. It make me look good." Does it? No. It shows that you care. Players care as much as the fans care. Well, then, you you know, you're on to a winner straight away. And Pep cares. And if Pep's introducing a culture of it matters, all or nothing, you know what I mean? And we got it all. You know, that, that season we'll talk about for years to come. Years to come, we'll be talking about this season. Arsenal fans are still going on about, you know, the Invincibles and they're still making videos about it. They're going to be doing that for City. Liverpool fans are still making videos for anything that they absolutely ever do. And they're still going on about the 70s and 80s. Well, this is our time and this is our time to talk about in years to come as well. Here's the other thing, uh, Walter. Apparently, we have two guys that were hoping that they were going to have a great World Cup and be able to come back and negotiate a much higher salary. And we're talking here about Raheem Sterling and Gabriel de Jesus. Apparently, they both refused... Well, I'm not going to say refuse, politely declined to enter into contract negotiations despite the fact that City wanted to tie them down. And they wanted to wait until after the World Cup in order to to do their contract. You may agree with me that neither one of them particularly shone in the World Cup. So what do you think is going to happen now as we enter into the latter stages of the contracts of contracts of Raheem and Gabriel Jesus? Let me just, before you answer that, give you some of the opinions of the guys on Twitter. Some guys are saying, huh, let Raheem go. We've already got Riyad Mahrez, we, someone who can stick 
the ball in the net. That's kind of kind of kind of cynical. And then the other ones are saying, well, you know, Gabby J, as great as some of the goals that he scored for us this this season, he's not going to be the replacement for Mister Ninety Three Twenty himself. So it's not that big a loss if these two guys desert us. What would be your feeling about these two guys and their contract? Uh, do we get to offer them less because he had bad World Cups? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'd like to keep both of them, to be honest. Um, more so, I always see Gabby Jesus as having a higher ceiling than Sterling, but I think Sterling's had a fantastic season with us. And, you know, he's took that gamble. Ultimately, I don't, I think he will move on at some stage, Raheem Sterling. And I don't think us City fans are going to give him half the jip that Liverpool fans did. That's a certainty. You think he's going but to move on? At some point in his career, yeah. I think he sees himself as somebody who can go and elevate himself up to a, give himself another challenge. Personally, if I was him, I'd be looking at a big team abroad, just get away from the British media in some respects. But the thing I love about Sterling, is such an incredibly intelligent footballer. The one aspect of his game people criticise him for is his finishing. You know, He's got that spatial awareness and that ability to find space. He's probably the best in the squad. But what I would say is, if they start to run it down, we're not going to let them go on a free. We might have to sell them at some point. Are they replaceable? I think it'd be harder to replace Sterling than it would be to replace Gabby Jay. But they're not irreplaceable, if you know what I mean. I'd like to see him sign up, to be honest. And I'd like to see them forge a legacy at City. Walter, is Gabby J much more than a glorified tap-in merchant? That yeah. was a, qu- that was a the, quote. For, that was a quote from Twitter. If you look at his goals, I mean, the thing about City is a lot of the goals they try and score. It's not so much even tap-ins, but it's that, that old adage of trying to walk the ball in the net. That's the way we're set up to play. There's not many goals by City that are 40-yard screamers. Try and get the ball as near to the net, so when you do bang it, it's got a better chance of going in. And that's the type of players that we sort of that we've been being invested in over the last few years. So Ian Rush was a tap-in merchant but no one ever sort of dogged in did they seen Gary Lineker so I wouldn't worry about what some guy on Twitter says I'm sure Gabby J will get over it you know what I mean thoughts are with Gabby at this moment uh, Walter did you see the picture in on Twitter with uh, Sergio Aguero with his arm round Kylian Mbappe and of course the comment from Benjamin Mendy or Benjamin Mendy saying come on Agent Aguero get him in we've uh, there's this wonderful <laughs> wonderful picture that I've got on Twitter and it's a it's a it's a wonderful picture of their days at Monaco, and the three of them are with their arms around each other. You've got uh, Bernardo Silva, Silva yeah, yeah, seen it. I- I- Mbappe, and Mendy, and I've I've tweeted that out and said two down, one to go. Mbappe with Aguero. Uh, no, if there's any, one player I could sign, it is Mbappe. To be any honest, any chance of this ever in a lifetime? Yeah, of course, there's chance. Talking about the amount of clubs that could afford him, the pool is tiny, and City are in that pool. And the fact that we've hardly spent this summer, you know what I mean? Our, our net outlay must be about thirty million. I reckon there's a big wad of cash just sat somewhere in a vault, just saying, "Mbappe, when you make your mind up, it's ready to go. It's just there." Because if we don't spend it this summer, you know, it's a three-year cycle on FFP, so we're good to go and spend crazy next January or next summer, and that includes Mbappe. The big Aguero's got a big, big, big boots to fill, and there's not many strikers that could do it. He's one. Well, a few in newspapers, they, they publish something called errata, where they make mistakes and you have to correct them. Uh, Walter, I apologize that in the last podcast, I talked about Brandon Barker, that he was going to go to Rangers, that he'd been um, sized up by Steven Gerrard. 
Apparently that's not the case. Apparently Rangers are going for a guy called Keen Brian. Now, do you know anything about this fella called Keen Brian that apparently is going to go to Rangers? The only thing I know is he's called Keen Brian, plays at City and Rangers are interested. Esteem Company's your man on there. Anything to do with youth development football, don't subscribe <laughs> to his channel. Follow him on Twitter. If you want the lowdown and know-hows, he's... He's the nearest thing we've got to a city oracle, isn't he? And He's a great treasure to have. And apparently you were you were quite prescient in what you said about your fears that Brandon Barker might finish his career in the lower leagues because apparently, guys, and we may have to correct this in the next podcast, apparently Hull City are in for Brandon Barker. So he seems to have, his particular attraction seems to have dropped down a little bit. You were saying, Walter, in the last podcast that he was a guy that looked fantastic between 17 or 18 years old, but he kind of just dropped off a little bit after that. Isn't that right? Yeah, he did. I mean, the thing is, there'll be no buyback clause, so it won't be to Hull and back. It'll just be to, uh, straight to Hull. I think it's uh, it's a shame because he's a local lad who's got fantastic ability at that youth le- level age. He was ripping it up and just seemed to hit a ceiling, whether that was mentally or whether that was just the ceiling that he actually had. I have no idea, but it's such a shame. And I hope he does sign for Hull. I hope he goes on as a fantastic season there and, you know, does does the right things and gets himself as high up the footballing ladder as he, as he can go. Because, you know, we like to see local lads doing well, but I don't know. It's not a say. Do you see any comparisons between him and Johnson, I think it was, who people were calling the the new Colin Bell. Oh, Michael I think I Johnson. may have got got his yeah, name yeah, yeah. quite. I thought wrong. you were going to say Adam Johnson then. Michael, Michael Johnson. Johnson yeah, he, was... he scored a yeah. beautiful, beautiful goal, like many of us can do. He put on a bit of weight. He then came back, and he came back for one game. I, I, I think you might remember this, Walter. He came back for one game, and he scored an absolutely scorching goal. Then. There was nothing very much heard of him again. And then eventually we be- we began to see pictures of him in newspapers outside McDonald's. And, and it, it seemed as if Michael Johnson had just decided, I don't want to be a footballer anymore. It was a bit of a tragedy, wasn't it? Well, it was a tragedy. I mean, I was talking to Jim Cassell one night who was telling me that Michael Johnson was the most talented footballer. He said he was good enough to play for Real Madrid. He said the guy was just unbelievably talented. I remember watching him play for City. He got the ball was played up to him, I and mean, with a swivel of the hips and a turn, he literally took three players out of the game. The guy was just talent, talent, talent. But then he was down Forty Second Street on the beer. You know, his his head wasn't right, and you know the amount of pressure that's put on some people, and the amount of pressure that's put on some youngsters when they come through. You know, it is going to break some individuals, and unfortunately for him, he ended up being one of the broken ones. And I hope he gets his life back on track and I hope he just ultimately finds you know a bit of happiness because he wasn't going to find that through football. Rafael Liao. Now, he's a guy that was playing for Sporting Lisbon and you probably know the whole story about that where the fans broke in and they assaulted players and they assaulted the managers. There was a bunch of hoodlums who jumped in there and that allowed a number of their players to rescind their contracts. Rui Patricio has ended up as the goalkeeper for Wolves. I don't know what you think about Duncan Castles. I love Duncan Castles. Everyone's going to hate me for this. Because um, he's not he's not a Man City fan. No. He's not a Pep Guardiola fan. Nonetheless, he's a very reliable journalist, and he 
has been on his transfer win- window podcast saying that this guy, Liao, is going to go to City. Any views on that? Uh, views on Duncan Castles. I, I listen to Duncan Castles sometimes, but I end up just laughing at him. He's got good contacts, but his absolute refusal to, in any way, shape or form, to be in any way critical of Jose Mourinho. And he doesn't treat Mourinho and Pep in any way, shape or form in similar it's kind of views. It's sad. It's sad because he's it is a, great, sad. a great journalist, isn't he? Well, I think, I think a lot of stuff he said, when he's not talking about City or United, yeah. But when he starts talking about City or United... And you know for an absolute fact, if Mourinho was the manager of City, he would just—he'd be exactly the same. He'd love City and be, wouldn't criticise him. He's uh, obviously got an inside line to Mourinho, and in no way, shape, or form does he want uh, does he want to ruin that because it gets him a lot of good information. That is a shame, but I don't know. I mean, if, if Duncan Castles knows something and he puts it forward about most things, or, or not most things, a lot of things, should I say, he is right. He made an arse of himself with Benjamin Mendy. He told him he had um, a cruciate ligament and it had been confirmed by the, some doctors and Benjamin Mendy kind of retweeted him and went, no, I don't think it has because I haven't even seen a doctor yet. Are you a happened. graduated doctor? <laughs> uh, I think he is actually, Duncan Castles, but I think he was sensible enough not to end that discussion. And fair play to him, he kind of pointed a finger at himself and kind of laughed then, which ultimately you would need to do. So I think that's a shame. But if Duncan Castles is saying it, it's a higher probability than bloody hell if most people are saying it, if you know what I mean. I'm just going to finish off here and thank everyone for listening. We're on episode four of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. You, of course, are Man City Smith on that's me on Twitter. I'm uh, Mike Long at Bolt from the Blue. Uh, thank you for the questions. Uh, finally, we had a question. Uh, we tried to answer it. If you uh, want to ask some more questions, ask us for things to talk about. We'll be very, very uh, happy to do so. If there's nothing else from Walter, I think we're just going to finish off with Up the Blues. Oh, nice to get the ball out of the box as well.